Let's open our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. We read this portion of God's Word in connection with Lord's Day 39 of the Heidelberg Catechism, which explains to us the meaning of the fifth commandment to honor our parents. You might remember that the book of Proverbs was written by Solomon as a father to his son, and so it's very relevant to our topic this morning. Proverbs chapter 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels, to understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head and chains about thy neck. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. If they say, Come with us, let us lay wait for blood, let us lurk privily for the innocent without cause, let us swallow them up alive as the grave and whole as those that go down into the pit, we shall find all precious substance, we shall fill our houses with spoil, cast in thy lot among us, let us all have one purse. My son, Walk not thou in the way with them. Refrain thy foot from their path, for their feet run to evil and make haste to shed blood. Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird, and they lay wait for their own blood, they lurk privily for their own lives. So are the ways of every one that is greedy of gain, which taketh away the life of the owners thereof. Wisdom crieth without. She uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief place of concourse, in the openings of the gates. In the city she uttereth her words, saying, How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Because I have called and ye refused, I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded. But ye have sat at naught all my counsel and would none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh, when your fear cometh as desolation and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you. Then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me, for that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. 
for the turning away of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear of evil. We read the word of God that far. I call your attention to Lord's Day 39 of the Catechism. On the back of the Psalter, page 22. The fifth commandment is, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Now the Catechism asks us, What doth God require in the fifth commandment? That I show all honor, love, and fidelity to my father and mother, and all in authority over me, and submit myself to their good instruction and correction with due obedience, and also bear, patiently bear with their weaknesses and infirmities, since it pleases God to govern us by their hand. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, with the fifth commandment, we begin to explain the second table of God's law. As you recall, the law of God, the Ten Commandments, are divided into two tables. And the first table teaches us our duties toward God, and the second table, our duties toward our neighbor. The fifth commandment is the first commandment in the second table of the law. So it is the first commandment that is going to teach us our duties toward our neighbor. And we know that the second table of the law can be summarized in the one commandment, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So we are going to begin in the sermon this morning to look at how we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. And the fifth commandment begins, God begins, by pointing us to our duties toward our father and mother. And that's very appropriate and very understandable, because if the second table has to do with our duties toward our neighbors, who are our closest neighbors when we first come into this world? Who are the first people that we meet as we set out on life's journey? The first people that we ever meet, unless we are orphans, are our parents, our father, and our mother. And so God begins the second table of the law by showing us what are our duties toward our parents. God has seen fit to use our parents, your parents, my parents, to bring us into this world. And God has seen fit to use them to raise us to adulthood. And God has seen fit to give them authority over us and to govern us by their hand. And therefore, at the very beginning of the second table, God sets down our duties as children to our parents. As I said earlier, Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs. And he wrote much of this book from the perspective of a father speaking to his children, 
We noticed that already in chapter 1, verse 7, where he says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son or my daughter, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head and chains about thy neck. Children, Young people, do you want to be wise? Do you want to have knowledge? Do you want to have understanding and discretion and to live a life blessed by God? If you despise the instruction, the good instruction of your father, and if you forsake the good words and teachings of your mother, then what you are demonstrating is that you really despise wisdom. You have no use for understanding. You have no desire for correction. You don't care about living a wise life. You show that you are a fool. But Solomon points out in verse 5 that a wise man will hear and will increase learning. A foolish man, when he hears, refuses and rejects what he hears. A wise man, when he hears, becomes even wiser. So children, do you want to be wise? If you have the fear of the Lord in your heart, then you already have the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning. That's the starting point. If God has given to you the fear of the Lord, then you also will desire greater wisdom and understanding. And you will desire to listen to the good instruction and correction of your parents. And then, how strong you will be. Oh, how beautiful you will be as you grow up. Solomon promises, This shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head, and chains about thy neck. This wisdom will make you beautiful and strong and wonderful as you become godly Christian men and women. Let's consider the command to honor our parents. Notice, first of all, honoring our parents for God's sake. Secondly, submitting with due obedience. And thirdly, bearing patiently with their weaknesses. The Heidelberg Catechism asks us, what does God require in the fifth commandment? And let's notice, first of all, three things that the Catechism mentions. That I show all honor, love, and fidelity to my father and mother and to all who are in authority over me. Honor, love, and fidelity. First of all, God requires that I, as a child, show all honor to my parents, to my father, and to my mother. And that means, generally, among other things, that I talk to them respectfully, And that I talk about them respectfully to other people. I talk respectfully to and about my parents. It means God forbids us children to have in our hearts an attitude about our parents that our parents are foolish and contemptible people. They are people who are not worthy of honor. They're not worthy of my respect. So that we have that in our hearts as an attitude toward them. It means God forbids us to speak to them in a manner 
the same kind of manner that we speak to our peers or to those younger than us. God does not allow us to speak to our parents as if they are on the same level as us in that same casual and familiar manner that we speak to our children or to our friends. And it means that God requires us to speak to them with a tone of voice that indicates and expresses our respect. We are not to speak to our parents with a tone of voice dripping with mockery and sarcasm, a tone of voice that shows our contempt for them, that shows defiance toward them, that shows that we don't really care at all what they think. We are not to speak to them that way. And we are not to speak about them that way either when we talk about them to our friends or our co-workers. Honor your father and your mother. Speak respectfully to them. You know, when we are very little children, two, three, four, five years old, we have this sense of awe for our parents, don't we? We look up at our parents as they tower above us, so much taller than us, as they scoop us up into their arms and carry us around in the house or give us a piggyback ride on their back, as they make supper for us and put the food on the table and feed us, as they protect us, as they teach us, as they chasten us, taking out the rod sometimes when we sin and spanking us and showing us what is wrong with our actions, And we have a sense of awe toward these people. A sense of respect for them. We respect them as people who know much more than us, who are bigger than us, who are smarter than us, who are taller than us, who who have wisdom that we don't have, who, who always seem to know what to do in every situation. But then as we grow older, we become teenagers, We get taller ourselves, we get older, we get smarter, we get some of the same wisdom that they have, and perhaps we even exceed them in knowledge in certain areas of life. Then that sense of awe and respect can tend to diminish, or we can be tempted to lose that sense of awe. We can be tempted to start to view them as our equals. And in many ways, they are becoming our equals. We are growing up into adults. We are becoming like them. We are becoming on the same plane with them. In many ways, that's true. And in a healthy relationship between parents and their children, that will develop into a healthy friendship. But we children must never lose respect for our parents. Even as we grow into teenagers and even as we grow into adults, I still address my father as dad. And I still call my mother Mom, even though I'm almost 40 years old and they're over 60. Even though I'm a full-grown adult with my own family and they're now grandparents. We must never lose that sense of respect for our parents. We owe it to them. We owe it to them not because they have done something to deserve it, not because they have done something to become worthy of it, but we owe it to them because God has seen fit to use them to bring us into the world. God has seen fit to give them authority over us. God is a God of order and God a God of structure. And God has seen fit to give us parents 
so that we will respect them and honor them for God's sake. That's the thing. Honor your father and your mother for God's sake. That's the reason. Because God has made them your parents. God has given them authority over you. And God commands you to honor them. That first of all, that I show all honor toward them. And the second place, that I show all love for my father and mother and all in authority over me. I am called to love them. That's natural as well because we're in the second table of the law and in this table God calls us to love our neighbor as ourselves and that means that we are to do good to our neighbors. We are to seek the well-being of our neighbors. We are to seek the salvation of our neighbors. We are to seek the blessedness and the happiness of our neighbors. We are to do good to them. We are to love them as ourselves, as we love ourselves. I think, though, when we hear the commandment to love our neighbors, we often think of those people outside of the house, those people who live next door. Those are the neighbors. Or the people at work, those are our neighbors. Or the people at church, those are our neighbors. We have to love all these neighbors around us. But we must not forget, in the first place, we are to love the neighbors in the same house that we live in. We are to love our father and mother. God teaches us the fundamentals of Christian theology and Christian living in the home. In the home, father and mother and children dwelling together, it is in that environment that God teaches us the fundamentals of our faith and the fundamentals of our life. He calls us as parents to act as a father and a mother, reflecting his fatherly love toward us in the way we treat and deal with our children. And he calls us as children to love our parents, even as we are to love God as our Father. You see, the higher command here is to love our parents as ourselves because God has loved us. We are always to love each other because God first loved us. Children, God loves us. God loves us so much, as we saw last Sunday, that he has given his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, his beloved, precious Son, he has given him, he has sent him into the world to die on the cross so that we might live. And showing us that great love, he calls us now to love our parents, our first and closest neighbors, before we get married. We do not have the right to hate our parents. We do not have the right to shout at them in our anger and bitterness. We do not have the right to speak piercing, accusing words towards them, to cut them down. We are to love them. We are to have an attitude in our hearts in which we desire the well-being of our parents. We desire them to flourish. We desire them to be saved. We desire them to be blessed. And we show that attitude by the words we speak. We speak words of love to them. We perform actions of love toward them. We rise up and call them blessed. We compliment them. We thank them. We praise them. As a good gift of God to us. Those of us who can remember when our children were little, or those of us who still have little children, know what a sweet thing it is when our little children 
get out a piece of paper and all of their colors on the table, and they color a picture for mom or dad. And they're going to give that picture to mom on her birthday or to dad or on their anniversary. They're going to show their love for dad and mom and express their appreciation. What a sweet thing that is. But children, let's remember to love our parents every day. And not just when we are sweet little children with our colors and papers, but also when we become teenagers and young adults. Love them. Do good to them. Honor them, love them, and show all fidelity to them. Fidelity means faithfulness. God requires us to be faithful to our parents. We may not run away from home. We may not betray our parents. We may not commit treason against father and mother. That's infidelity. That's being a traitor. When God says, honor your father and mother, he means be faithful to them. Be faithful in your relationship to them. Be faithful in your support of them. Be faithful in your love toward them. Be faithful in your respect for them. Be faithful in caring for them as they have cared for you. But what about the teaching of Jesus, for example, in Luke 14, where he says that if you don't forsake your father and your mother, you cannot be my disciple. If you are not willing to forsake them, if you are not willing to turn your back on them, if you are not willing to walk away from them, then you cannot be my disciple. What does that mean? Well, we know that it cannot mean that Jesus is promoting infidelity. Jesus would never teach or promote anything contrary to the law of God. And the law of God says, honor your father and your mother. Be faithful to your father and your mother. In fact, in another passage, in Matthew 15, the Lord Jesus reprimanded the Pharisees because through their man-made traditions, they made void the law of God. And the law of God said, honor your father and your mother. But they had man-made traditions which created exemptions from that. So that through their man-made traditions, they were teaching the people, you don't always have to honor your father and your mother. You don't always have to support them and be faithful to them. Jesus rebuked them for that. And yet, Jesus elsewhere says that if you are not willing and ready to forsake your father and your mother, you cannot be my disciple. What Jesus is teaching in all of those passages is that we must love Jesus more than our parents. Not instead of our parents. We are to love Jesus above all of our human relationships, above our parents, above our children, above our friends, our sisters and brothers. We are to love Jesus. We are to have our absolute allegiance to Jesus. We are to be faithful to Jesus always. Absolutely and ultimately. And therefore, if our parents ever stand between us and Jesus, if our parents ever try to stop us from being faithful to Jesus, if our parents ever stand in the way, ever prevent us or ever hinder us, 
then we must forsake them in that regard, in that respect. And that doesn't mean dishonor them, but it means forsake them in that respect. Inasmuch as they stand between you and Jesus, you must be willing to forsake them as you cleave to Jesus alone. And what a blessing then to have Christian parents, you see. What a blessing that emphasizes to us the greatness and the blessedness of those of us who have Christian parents who do not stand between us and Jesus, but who lead us to Jesus, who cleave to Jesus themselves, who confess the name of Jesus themselves and love Jesus themselves. What a tremendous blessing. And we must show all fidelity toward them even when they grow old and gray. Honor, love, and faithfulness. Now take those three things and apply them to all of our other authorities. Because the Catechism teaches us on the basis of Scripture that the fifth commandment means I must honor my father and my mother and all those in authority over me. That includes my boss at work, my employer. That includes my government, my local government, my national and federal government, the prime minister. That includes the church office bearers, the pastor and the elders and the deacons in the church. We are also to show all honor, love, and fidelity to those people through whom God governs us. Now just think of it. If we as parents dishonor our authorities, if we as a father are constantly dishonoring our boss in front of our children, constantly talking about our boss and how much of a fool he is and how greedy he is, and how terrible he is. Or if we are constantly dishonoring our government in the presence of our children, constantly talking about how terrible our government is, how wicked they are and unworthy of our honor and our obedience. Or if we're constantly talking about the pastor or the elders or the deacons in the church and all of their weaknesses and all of their sins and how unworthy they are of respect. If we're doing that, we should not be surprised if our children dishonor us. They're looking at us. They're watching us. They're following our example. If they see that dad and mom don't show any respect to the people above them, then why should I show respect to my parents? They see the hypocrisy. They they see the inconsistency. And we ought not to be surprised. Parents, we must lead our children by example. We must honor our authorities. And we must show that in the home. We've all fallen short. But Christ Jesus, our Lord, did not fall short. Our Lord Jesus Christ honored all those in authority over him. From the moment of his birth to the moment of his death on the cross, 
He obeyed the fifth commandment perfectly when we didn't. He honored Joseph and Mary in the home in Nazareth. He honored the rulers of the synagogue in Nazareth. He honored Caiaphas and the Sanhedrin when they condemned him to death. He honored Pontius Pilate when he sentenced him to the death of the cross as an innocent man. And he suffered and died on the cross of Pontius Pilate and shed his precious blood for us, for all of our sins, all of our dishonoring of our authorities. He shed his blood on the cross to cover us, to pay for us, to atone, to satisfy the wrath and the justice of God that would burn against us for all of that disrespect. He took it all upon himself. He suffered it all to the full. And Jesus Christ is our righteousness, who by his perfect obedience has satisfied all the demands of God's law and his justice. Believe in Jesus Christ. Put your trust in him. Embrace him. And his righteousness belongs to you. The Lord Jesus Christ has ascended up into heaven and sat at the right hand of God. And God has given to him all power and authority in the universe. The authority of our parents over us is given to them by Christ. We are to show honor, love, and fidelity to them for the sake of Christ who gave them that authority. Now, we parents find it a very sweet thing when our little children color pictures for us and show their love and appreciation for us in those ways. But you know, children, what your parents really want, the way that you can really show your love for your parents, is through your obedience. The Heidelberg Catechism goes on to explain the fifth commandment, that it means this, that I submit to their good instruction and correction with due obedience. Obedience. In the chapter that we read in Proverbs 1, Solomon wrote, My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. The Apostle Paul wrote this in Ephesians 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. In Colossians 3, verse 20, the same Apostle wrote, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Children, the Lord commands us to submit to the good instruction of our parents with due obedience. That first. Let's first focus on that. Their good instruction. Our parents are constantly instructing us. They're constantly teaching us. They're constantly showing us what is right and wrong, what is good and evil, what is true and false. The Lord commands us to submit to their good instruction. That means, first of all, that we listen to it. Do we listen to our parents? 
Do we listen to them when they teach us? You know, it's possible to hear something and not really to listen to it. How many times do we hear things that we're not really listening to? We hear it. The sounds enter into our ears and reverberate inside there and bounce around and then fly out the other ear. We hear it, but we don't listen to it. Listening means that when they speak to you, you're paying attention. You're giving them your attention. And you're allowing what they're saying to not just enter into your ear, but into your mind, into your heart, into your soul, so that there you lay hold upon it. You recognize what they're saying to you. That's listening. How often, children, do we tune out our parents? Do we turn off our ears and decide we're not going to listen anymore? We're tired of listening to them. God says, listen. Listen, submit, and obey. We are to give due obedience to them. When our parents instruct us about what is good, we are to do that. When our parents instruct us about what is evil, we are not to do that. We are to submit ourselves to their good instruction with due obedience. When our parents instruct us to do something or not to do something, that's not just a guideline that we may follow if we choose or not. That's not just an option for us. They're not just giving us an option. You may do this or you may do that. It's up to you. But when our parents are giving us good instruction, telling us what is good, telling us what is right, we are to obey them. That's how we show our love for them. When we refuse to obey to them, we're showing hatred. And that's how our parents feel, too. Our parents feel that we are hated when our children don't listen to us and they don't obey us. They don't want anything to do with what we're saying. We're showing hatred. We need to know that. When we disobey, we're showing hatred. The best way to show our love is obedience. Obedience to their good instruction. Now, we have to point out and qualify that. The Catechism says that we are to submit to their good instruction with due obedience, their good instruction. And that obviously means that we are not called to submit to their bad instruction, if ever they give us bad instruction. That sometimes happens. Especially if we did not have God-fearing parents, it may have happened a lot. We may have been given bad instruction. We may have been taught by our parents to do bad things. We may have been taught by our parents to do evil things, to do sinful things to do things that are displeasing to our Father in heaven. And then the Lord says to us, don't submit to that. Don't do that. Don't submit to their bad instruction. But then, as the apostles taught us by their example, then we must obey God rather than men. Then we must do what God says. Because when the catechism says we are to submit to their good instruction, the catechism doesn't mean whatever seems good to you, whatever seems good in your eyes, whatever you judge to be good, nor does the catechism ultimately mean 
whatever your parents think is good, although it does mean that, but not ultimately. What the Catechism ultimately means is what is good in God's eyes. Submit to that instruction. And you know what is good in God's eyes because it's in the Bible. Submit to that good instruction with due obedience. Due obedience means we owe obedience to them. Every time we disobey their good instruction, we are piling up more sins that need to be paid for at the cross. We're nailing more nails into the hands and feet of Jesus. God commands us, we owe obedience to them when it is good instruction. But furthermore, the Catechism says that we are to submit ourselves to their good correction with due obedience as well. Their good correction. Our parents are constantly correcting us as well. Do we receive that correction? Do we submit to that correction? Now, once again, parents, I could address you and me with the warning, if we ourselves do not submit to the good correction that is given to us by other people, and our parents see that, I mean, our children see that, we should not be surprised if they don't submit to our correction. If other people, if other Christians are correcting us, showing us our sins, our errors, our wrongdoing, maybe even our own children are sometimes correcting us. And by the way, children, that's not forbidden. When we see our parents walking in sinful and evil ways, God does not forbid us to rebuke them. If ever that happens, we have to do that respectfully, submissively, not arrogantly, not full of wrath, as if we're better than them, as if we're over them, but recognizing them as having authority over us, and yet having authority over us, walking in sinful ways, God permits us, even calls us, to rebuke them. Dad, that's not right. You know it. And parents, when other people correct us, how do we respond? Do we receive that correction like the wise man that Solomon mentions in the passage? And throughout the Proverbs, he repeats that again and again. The wise man will receive correction and become even wiser. The foolish man refuses correction. Children, when our parents give us good correction, we are to submit to it with due obedience. We are not to argue with them. How often do we argue with our parents with their good correction? How often do we argue with them? How often do we always have an answer? We always have a reply. We always have some reason why that correction isn't good. Why we don't have to follow it. Why we don't need to listen to it. God says, honor your father and your mother. Submit to their good instruction and correction. That correction sometimes comes in the form of discipline. Our parents having authority over us have the right from God to discipline us. In fact, not just the right, they have the calling from God to discipline us. 
the calling. Parents do not have a right to abuse their children. Certainly no calling to do that. Parents who abuse their children, whether that is physical, sexual, or emotional abuse, bring down the heavy wrath of God on their heads. Abusing a child is destroying the person of that child, and sometimes even the body of that child. God hates that. God hates the abuse of children. Jesus said once, Anyone who offends one of these little ones, it would be better for him to have a rope tied around his neck with a millstone and be cast into the midst of the sea. That would be better for him than that he would ever be born. But parents do have the authority and calling from God to discipline their children. That is, in a measured way, in a careful way, in a loving way, to apply pain to that child when they are little, to apply pain to their backside using the rod of reproof to show them that when you sin, pain follows. So that they learn sinful ways are not pleasant ways, but painful ways. And the whole point of that is to correct the child, to show the child, that's not what you want to do. And when the children become older, teenagers, young people, Then the discipline takes other forms. Perhaps the parents are going to ground you for the week or for the month because of some terrible thing that you decided to do. Will you submit to that good correction and instruction? That's what God calls us to do. Now we can apply that a little bit more. Children, Dad and mom tell you, clean up your toys. Clean up your room. Do your chores. Do your homework. Turn off the television. Put away your tablet. Time to do your homework. Time to go to bed. Make sure that you do your devotions and pray before you go to bed. What do we do with that good instruction and correction? That's all good instruction. God says, obey. Don't argue. Don't disobey. Don't run away. Obey. When dad and mom tell you, you need to be home at 11 o'clock, or whatever time they set. Don't go to those places. Don't go to those parties. I don't want to hear that you were there, or there, or with those people, or with those young people. Then how do we respond to that? God requires us to submit to that good instruction with due obedience. That's good instruction. When our parents tell us, don't hang out with those people, don't date that kind of a person, don't be a friend with that kind of person, that's good instruction. Solomon gave that kind of instruction to his children in the book of Proverbs. Notice chapter 1, verse 10 that we read. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. If they say, come with us, let us lay wait for blood, let us lurk privily for the innocent without cause. He's talking about the bad crowd. He's talking about the bad kind of people. Don't hang out with them, my son. 
They're going to say, come on, come on, let's go and have some fun. Let's steal, let's kill, let's have a good time. Let's lurk privily for innocent blood. And your parents say, my son, don't hang out with those people. That's good instruction and correction. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20, he says, My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. My son, my daughter, keep your heart, guard your heart, take care of your heart. Your heart is deceptive. Your heart will lead you astray. Your heart will lead you down this road or that road to make this bad decision or that bad decision. My son, guard your heart with all diligence. Take care. We love you. We want the best for you. We don't want you to go go astray. We don't want you to fall into the pit. We don't want you to enter into a bad marriage, an abusive marriage with an unchristian person. Chapter 5. My son, attend unto my wisdom, and bow thine ear to my understanding, that thou mayest regard discretion, and that thy lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of a strange woman drop as an honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil, but her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps take hold on hell. My son, beware of the beautiful but ungodly woman. Beware of her temptations. Beware of her enticements. Beware of her strange, smooth lips. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 1. A wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. Children, young people, God has given to you your parents, God-fearing parents. Listen to their good instruction. Receive their good correction. Submit to it. Obey it. It will make you beautiful and strong. But maybe you say to me, Reverend, My parents have so many weaknesses and infirmities, you wouldn't even believe it. That's one of the most common responses of children to this commandment. You're telling me to honor, love, and obey these miserable people? God's answer to you is, Yes. Yes. The Catechism ends with this exhortation that we bear patiently with their weaknesses because it pleases God to govern us by their hand. The weaknesses and the sins of our parents are not an excuse for us to disobey them. 
to dishonor them, to hate them. When God says in the second table of his law, love your neighbor as yourself, starting with your parents, God also teaches us in the scriptures what that love looks like. And one of the things he says about that love in 1 Corinthians 13 is that love is patient. Love suffers long. Children, what God says to you and to me is bear patiently with their infirmities, weaknesses, and sins. God assures you that he sees all of the weaknesses of your parents. He knows. God says, I know that they are sinners. In fact, I know better than you how great are their sins. I know all of their bad choices, all of their bad habits, all of their inconsistencies, all of their hypocrisy, all of their undue anger, all of their unclean speaking, all of their foolish stubbornness, and all of their emotional outbursts. God says, I know it. I see it. I call them to repent of those sins and to turn from them. But I tell you, children, to bear patiently with their weaknesses and infirmities because it pleases me to govern you through their hand. Patience, children. Patience. And don't forget, there may be a time to call out our parents if they're living inconsistently and hypocritically. And then if we must do that, we do that submissively and respectfully, but patiently bear with their infirmities. The fifth commandment ends with a beautiful promise. Honor your father and your mother that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. And he's not just talking about the land of Canaan, but he's talking about the land of heaven, the land of glory, the land of eternal life. God promises to us children, as Christian children, who put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and find in Christ all forgiveness and all comfort and all that we need. He promises us long, long, long life in heaven. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank thee for that promise that we will live long everlastingly as believers in Christ Jesus, believers in the one who kept this commandment perfectly, in that land of glory. Give unto us now as children the grace to honor our parents, and as parents the grace to train our children rightly and forgive us when we have